For the first time in the last 11 meetings between North Carolina and Pittsburgh, the game was decided by more than one possession as the Tar Heels absolutely dominated the second half. And it was an unexpected defensive player that helped really flip the script. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, October 31st. Happy Halloween out there. For those of you watching, I've got my son's Knuckles hat. It's a character from Sonic, I don't know. And I'm rocking a a Batman cape, which you can't see because it's behind me. Anyway, happy Halloween. Cannot wait to see uh, what you all dress up like for Halloween. Send me some pictures. Let's see it. I want to hear your stories. I want to welcome you into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure that you don't miss a second of your team every day. Okay, folks, Carolina is kind of cruising right now. It's incredible. So we're going to unpack this Pittsburgh game. We're going to do an overview of it. Then we're going to talk about the three plays that I thought really helped shape this game. And then three players that stood out. And of course, my shady stat of the game. But first, I got to take off this hat because it is very hot. And uh, Batman, I love you, but we're getting rid of your cape as well. Happy Halloween, everybody. Okay, listen, let's... we. We got to start here. I know it's a broken record, but there's nowhere else to go. In a season of Heisman moments for Drake May, this is the one that trumped every one of them. This performance against probably the most stout defense he's faced so far the entire season. Coming off of this game, here we go. You ready? Drake May now leads the nation in total TDs with 32. Passing TDs, he's tied with Ohio State's C.J. Stroud with 29. Total yards, 3,110. He's the only player in all of college football with over 3,000 total yards. Total offense per game, he's averaging 388.8. That leads the nation. He leads the nation in total points responsible for, 194. I mean, it's just insane. And, And in a lot of categories where he's not number one in the nation, he's top three, four, or five. And so Drake May absolutely doing Heisman type things in his red shirt freshman season. Don't forget, he is just a red shirt freshman. You love to see it. Now, I want to talk more about specifically what he did in this game to solidify some of that Heisman credentials. But we're going to save that for later when we talk about the three players of the game. A little foreshadowing for you there. Well, the new polls are out, Carolina. Did you guess it? Yeah, they've moved into the top 20. They are 17th in the AP poll and 15th in the coaches poll. Now, the one that really matters, the CFP, the college football playoff poll, it comes out for the first time tomorrow on Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be really interesting to see where that group slots the Tar Heels in. They're the second highest rated ACC team right now behind only Clemson. (laughs) Perhaps more importantly, I want to point this out. 
We all know the Tar Heels are 4-0 in the ACC. They're the only team that's undefeated in conference play in the Coastal Division. Same with Clemson in the Atlantic on the other side. There's four games left in the regular season. Carolina holds a two-game lead in the loss column over their closest competitors in the division, and that's Duke and Miami. And you might recall that Carolina has beaten both of those teams. What does that mean? That Carolina only has to win two of those final four games to clinch a berth in the ACC championship game. So, I mean, and, and think about who you've got on your schedule. Virginia. Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, NC State. You got to think you have a phenomenal chance against both Virginia, although it's at Virginia this coming weekend, and Georgia Tech. Um, Obviously, the Wake Forest game will be more difficult, and the NC State game is more difficult, but it is at home, and Carolina will be revenge-minded. So you just got to win two of those four to, to be in the ACC championship game. And that doesn't even factor in what other teams do. You might not even need to win two. Um, there, there is a scenario uh, where Carolina could clinch this coming weekend if everything falls right. So uh, just know that that's where we're at right now. Carolina is, they are on not easy street, but they are on their way to being in the 2022 ACC championship game. Keep watching what happens there. I'll keep you up to date. <laughs> Something that we haven't talked about much, but has been a storyline so far throughout this season, is that Mac Brown has been more aggressive in going for it on fourth down. And uh, we're, we're getting to the point now where there is enough of a sample size to start looking at it and saying, is this successful? Is it going well? Obviously, a lot of it is strategic and, and there you see the flip cards to know like, hey, when are we going? When are we not? Well, as it stands right now, Carolina has gone for it on fourth down 18 times this season, and they've converted 14 of those 18. That's 77.8%. Listen, from where I stand and look at it, that that's more than what you could hope for on fourth down. And, And you think about some of those conversions they've had. I mean, multiple of five yards or more on on the fourth down conversion so love to see Mac Brown's aggressiveness in this keep it going keep making it happen <laughs> a couple other overview things I want to share two games in a row now Carolina has responded to being down double digits you'll recall against Duke they were down 21 10 came all the way back um, to take a, a 31 21 lead there, I believe was the run. And then obviously Duke went ahead again. And then the the touchdown to Antoine Green to win it at uh, right towards the end of the game there. And then against Pitt this weekend, Carolina was down double digits on two different occasions, 17 to seven and 24 to 14. And in both of those games, the Tar Heels have come back to win. Um, I, I can see this on both sides. Let me make the, the, the negative argument for this. On the negative side, it's ultimately not sustainable to do that, to get down and to claw your way back. Um, And so you'd like to see Carolina get out to a lead and sustain it as they did in multiple games earlier this season. Like this weekend, for example, going to Virginia, go there, smash them in the mouth and then keep your foot on their neck, right? And metaphorically, don't physically do that. You'll get tossed. But that's what you would rather see happening. Now on the plus side, let, let me sell the positive of this. Carolina is a team that even though there's a lot of young players in different like skill positions, 
it <clears throat> it is a team that trusts itself. It knows, hey, if we keep pushing, our offense is going to score. Our defense is going to make enough stops, as they've been doing, uh, to be able to win this game. So don't freak out just because you're down. Just keep making plays and come winning time you'll you'll hopefully be in a position to do so and in this game I mean it it ended up not even being close in the end because Carolina just blitzed the fourth quarter outscoring Pitt 21 to nothing so uh you know you want to not keep getting down but you love to see the resilience and the fight from the Tar Heels Antoine Green and Mr. Josh Downs both eclipsed 100 receiving yards yesterday or uh, excuse me, on Saturday. It was the first time that a pair of Tar Heels has done that since last week. They The same duo did that against Duke. So my wondering now is when, when is the last time that Carolina had a pair of receivers go over 100 yards in back-to-back games? I haven't been able to find it. I, I've gone back like over a decade's worth of games and haven't been able to track that down. So I've actually um, been in contact with uh, Carolina's football SID sports information director, Jeremy Sharp, and waiting to hear back from him. Once I do, I will let you know or tweet it out or something, but just really impressive stuff. Antoine Green, Josh Downs, they're bringing it game after game after game. Hey, cutting in really quick to let you know that as soon as I finished recording, I had an email back from Jeremy Sharp saying that, yes, indeed, this is the first time in school history that a pair of receivers have both had 100 receiving yards or more in back-to-back games. So Antoine Green and Josh Downs doing historic things this year for the Tar Heels. All right, let's get right back to it. A couple more overview things. Carolina's red zone offense. Uh I mean, it's just continuing to roll. The the prowess of this thing is uncanny. It's up to 36 red zone trips now this season in eight games. They have scored points on 33 of those 36 trips. That's a success rate of 91.7%. Of those 33 trips, 29 of them have been touchdowns. So Carolina has scored touchdowns on 29 of their 36 red zone trips. That's 80.6%. I mean, you can't ask for much more. And by the way, those those uh, there's only three trips where they haven't scored points. One of them was the end of the FAMU game to start the season. Carolina got down in the red zone and didn't need to run any more plays. Kneel down ball game. Same thing uh, against Pitt this weekend. Carolina got down in the red zone. Drake May had that run where he stood up first down and just kind of held the ball. Uh, and then victory formation right after that. So two of those three non-scoring red zone trips are because the game is over. <clears throat> and then the other one was one of those fourth down conversions where Carolina just, uh, it was like Drake May and Josh Downs just weren't on the same page. So red zone going very well. You just feel confident anytime you get down there. A lot of teams, it's like, oh man, we're stuck now that we're inside the 20. Not so with the Tar Heels, uh, elite playmakers all around, including the guy under center. Um, as for the defense, right, that, that's been one of the storylines is, man, this thing has been up and down. Yes, the secondary mightily struggled again early. C- Carolina had Pitt's quarterback, Keaton Slovis, in, in a lot of pressure. It was the best pressure I've seen from the D-line all season so far. Um, but even in those scenarios, the secondary was getting burned and torched a little bit. In the first half, things turned around in the second half. Pitt did have a few more chunk plays, but things got going, and it felt like the whole defensive unit, despite um, some injury 
uh, issues. Noah Taylor was out with what uh, we're waiting to hear, but looks like maybe a major knee injury. Des Evans. Um, I, um, I, I'm pretty concerned about what the news is going to be on Noah Taylor. Um, but um, despite those things, you saw Carolina still um, continuing to, to me to appear to gain confidence on defense. And as the confidence grew, so did the results. And once that train was rolling against Pitt, it was like they couldn't do anything. Even otherworldly running back Israel Abanakanda got bottled up several times there down the stretch of this game. And so there were a lot of great things that happened against Pitt. You love to see the progression and growth of this team leading to the Virginia game this weekend. Now, what are the things that helped cement and, and make this victory possible? I want to point out three plays that I thought were pivotal to Carolina's success. But before we do that, I want to tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. You can't wait to see the line movement on Carolina. Man, BetOnline is going to have it for you very soon. There are odds to... to make the ACC championship game to have a shot at the, at the national championship. Those odds are growing by the day in a positive direction. And Drake may is now bet online's sixth best Heisman odds. And so man, Carolina is moving in the right direction as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the World Series, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. So three plays that I thought were pivotal in this game and really helped uh, Carolina do the things they needed to do to win. The first was Carolina's first score of the game. This game started out, actually both halves started out inauspiciously. Um, Pitt had the ball first, drove down, scored uh, a really interesting drive, started out. Everyone thought, man, run, 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 run is going to be, nope, first four plays of the game are all passes. So what do you know? But they, they get a touchdown. Carolina comes out three and out, and you're starting to worry about that. But Carolina is able to get the ball back from Pitt and then uh, methodically, steadily drives down the field. And <clears throat> we get to the point, Carolina's backed up. It's second and goal from the 16. It's like, oh, man, you got to get a good chunk here so that on third down or fourth down, again, knowing Mac Brown's tendencies, you can try to punch it in for six. Well, no, no, no. Drake May is going to go for all of it right here. A nice fade to the corner of the end zone for Antoine Green. As he's going, the cornerback, it wasn't like he was grabbing his left arm. It looked more like it just got tangled a little bit. So Antoine reaches up with his right arm, his right hand, snags the ball and pins it against his right shoulder pad and is able to bring it down and maintain possession through the catch, as you know you got to do phenomenal, phenomenal catch. Great throw. Those are the things you have to see from a quarterback and one of his two main targets, able to trust each other and able to make big time NFL quality plays like that. You saw Sam Howell tweet out um, after the game that Antoine Green is an NFL caliber receiver. And it's plays like that that show why he believes so. 
the second play, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball for this one. And is my man Cayman Rucker. We're going to talk more about him in just a minute in totality, but I want to zero in and focus in on this one play. Pitt had been leading the entire game. We're at 358 left in the third quarter. The Panthers are up 24-21 on Carolina. And it's like Carolina's had some movement. They've just scored a touchdown. And, and there's some more hope than there had been of things moving in the right direction. But Carolina still has never taken the lead. <clears throat> Pitt is driving. They've just crossed midfield. But Carolina gets a couple stops. And it brings up this third and nine and Carolina has to prove at some point, Hey, we're going to stop Pitt more than once back-to-back -back occasions. If we can do that, get off the field and then score a bunch. Well, this third and nine play came in Rucker kind of worms his way in between the left guard and the left tackle gets all the way to Slovis and gets him down, wraps him up and does it. Um, now, Truthfully, he and Rara Dilworth were each credited with a half sack, but you go back and watch the film. This is a full sack for Rucker, and it's like Dilworth just kind of falls on Slovis as he's already going down. But whatever. You know the truth. I know the truth of what happened. This play forces a punt. It's fourth and a mile. And so then on the ensuing Carolina possession, they score and take the lead for the first time. And now the momentum, the ball is starting to roll. And Carolina now has the look of a team who knows, hey, this is an important game at home. We got to hold serve to uh, keep moving forward in the Coastal Division. And that's exactly what happens. In fact, the next possession for Carolina, the play that capped that possession off is my third play that I thought really impacted this game in a big way. And that's Elijah Green's touchdown run to give Carolina their first lead at 28-21. The play is this. We get down. It's second and goal at the two. Early fourth quarter, just a minute or so in. Knowing, knowing how the game actually turned out, like it doesn't seem like this play was that big a deal in the grand scheme. But in the moment, this felt like Carolina has to score here. It's one of those, like if in basketball, if a team is down, it's like, man, we got to get in the, the deficit down to single digits. We just got to get over the hump and score and take the lead. And then you feel like you're good. And that's exactly what happened here. So obviously, yes, the game ended up being by a wide margin, the, the margin of defeat of the margin of victory, I guess I should say for the Tar Heels. But at this point, it still felt very much like it hung in the balance. So here's what happened. The play before this on, um, first and goal from the two Drake made just about through a 98 yard pick six uh, Josh Downs had a double move out and the route just about got jumped but uh, the timing was just a little bit wrong for the pit cornerback thankfully so here we are second down Elijah Green is alone in the backfield off to Drake May's left John Copenhaver tight end is offset just behind the line to the right of Drake May and <clears throat> It's a running play for Green. Unclear because of how quickly it fell apart, which way it was actually going to go because Copenhaver was pulling uh, to go left and set a block. And so you wonder if Green was supposed to follow, but in the area vote vacated by Copenhaver, nobody picked up that D end coming from the left side of Pitt's line. And so Elijah Green, shifty little dude that he is, gets up in front of May, jump cuts to the right, straight past this D end, which blocks off the guy coming from the right side of the pit line. At that point, there's a linebacker that's made his way up, kind of is able to wrap up Green's legs. He shakes free of it, gets to the goal line, 
uh, kind of bullies his way past three more pit defenders and into the end zone using his hand to keep him up so that he doesn't go down. I mean, it's a phenomenal, it's only two yards, but a phenomenal individual effort from Elijah Green to get this ball into the end zone and get his team the lead. You just see this young man making more and more plays, and some of it's by necessity with injuries to Caleb Hood in this game, you know, and so um, great stuff that he's doing. You love to see um, him gaining confidence. You love to see the coaching staff gaining confidence in him, and so that is my third play. From there, again, the game is basically all Carolina the rest of the game. You love to see it. Well, I do want to talk about three players themselves who I thought – man, just had major impacts on this game. And of course, I want to share with you my shady stat of the game. For your second listen, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on Odyssey and any audio app you listen to, plus YouTube and wherever else you get podcasts. All right, folks, let me share with you who I thought were the three players of the game. And one of them is somebody we've already talked about, but I just want to make sure to give him as much love as is possible. And that's Cayman Rucker, um, who just came out. Obviously, Noah Taylor we talked about was out. And so um, <clears throat> Rucker and other DNs are getting more time in this game. Um, but he, as we talked about, he finished with technically a half sack. He should have been credited with this full sack by himself. Um, we already talked about how that, uh, really changed the momentum. Like that just felt like the flag planting turning point in the game itself for me. But then in that series after that, where Carolina has now taken the lead pits looking, uh, to, to get a score back themselves, get back in the lead. Cause at that point, Carolina is not running away with it. Um, and at that point it's the fourth quarter. It's clear that Pitt is just going to ride Israel Abanacanda to hopefully the goal line and pay dirt and victory. Well, it's it's second one on this drive. Rucker uh, is able to hurry Slovis, force him to throw the ball away. Of course, third down, uh, Pitt's able to pick it up. But later in this same drive, third and one, and again, you've seen it multiple times throughout the night and on this same drive. Third and one, just give it to Abanacanda, let him bust through the line, pick up three, four, five yards, and we'll keep on rolling. Well, Rucker crashes down on the play. Um, really is able to bottle up a Banacanda. And I thought at first th there was a fumble on this play recovered by Cedric Gray. And I thought that it was Rucker who had punched this ball out, but it was actually, he wrapped him up, had him Gray comes in and it's actually Gray's arm that punches the ball out and Gray recovers it. Um, but man, to, for Rucker to make this play, to make that initial stop, to give Gray the time to come in and get possession for the Tar Heels in, <clears throat> It is a phenomenal play. And so Rucker just doing all sorts of things. Some of them big and clear and obvious. Some of them like just hurrying Slovis to not be able to get a, a downfield throw on that play earlier in this drive. Um, he finishes the game with two total tackles. He's got that quarterback hurry, half technically a half sack. Just great stuff by Cayman Rucker, who self-admittedly to from him is not the the biggest or most talented guy but just works his butt off to do everything he can to help this team and you just feel like anytime he's on the field good things happen the next player is mr antoine green 
this young man, man, coming back from a preseason injury that kept him out of the first three games to come back. His first game was the Notre Dame game. So he's now played five following the Pitt game against Pitt. Career high, 10 receptions, career high, 180 receiving yards and a career high tying two touchdowns. So five games, he's got 100 plus yards in three of those and six touchdowns in those five games. So Antoine Green is just doing it. You lo- love to see uh, the, the connection he has with Drake May. Several, man, just at least two of those touchdowns I can think of right at the top of my head. That that one-handed pin against his shoulder pad in this game, the game-winning catch against Duke, just working back towards the front of the end zone, just great stuff there. And to be able to have that dual threat with Josh Down and Josh Downs in working in the slot underneath, and Antoine Green as a deep threat, it's great stuff. And then, of course, for our third player of the game, we started with him. We're going to end with him. It's Drake May. Like, I, I try to not talk about him in this segment every week, but sometimes you just have to. <clears throat> in this game specific, we, we've already talked about his national numbers earlier in the show, but specific to this game, career high, 388 passing yards. It's the second game in a row he's set a new career high in that metric. It's his fifth straight game with 300 or more passing yards. That's the first time in Carolina history a quarterback has done so. He's got 300 or more passing yards in six of the eight games this year and just barely missed that mark in those other two. This is now his third game this season with exactly five touchdown passes. It's his fifth game this season with five total TDs combined between passing and rushing. And oh, by the way, that that five times doing that ties two other quarterbacks in in as the only two only three now quarterbacks in the last 25 years of the ACC to do so those other two quarterbacks are Todd Boyd and Lamar Jackson we've talked about them earlier this season he's now tied them and if he's able to do this again uh, to have five total touchdowns responsible for in a game he will pass both Boyd and Lamar Jackson there pretty crazy stuff and oh by the way another game with no interceptions he's only got three interceptions through these eight games so far this season. Keep it going, Drake May. And friends, of course, we got to finish this bad boy off with the shady stat of the game. We talked about um, Carolina's comeback throughout the second half. So Carolina starts the second half with the ball. Nothing doing. Pitt gets the ball, goes and scores a touchdown, reestablishes a double-digit lead at 24-14. At that moment, there was 25 minutes and seven seconds left in the game. So 10 minutes and seven seconds left in the third quarter, 15 minutes of the fourth quarter. For those 25 minutes and seven seconds left, here's the numbers. This is the shady stat of the game. Points, North Carolina, 28. Pittsburgh, goose egg, zero points the rest of the game. Yards. And keep in mind what Israel Abanakanda is able to typically do as a game wears on. He's worn down the line, all that stuff. With that in mind, here are these numbers. Total yards the rest of the game. North Carolina, 272. Pittsburgh, 60. That's right. Carolina outgained Pitt the rest of the game by over 200 yards, doing what they needed to do down the stretch to get this win on homecoming night at home and solidify what they're doing in the ACC Coastal Division to make it to the championship game. Carolina, you got to love where they're at and you just want to keep seeing growth. 
And hopefully that's what we will see. But that is it, friends, for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up this week, going to get ready for that Virginia game this upcoming weekend. Big game there in Charlottesville. And, of course, it's the week leading up to the start of the basketball season. First regular season game is a week from today. So make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels and follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade to get information about all of this and more. Thanks for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else that you get podcasts. So please don't forget, to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, leave some comments. Again, I want to hear about your Halloween extravaganzas that you're doing uh, today. Man, great stuff there. Really hope you have a great and safe Halloween. Eat all the candy. Have a great time. And remember that it is always a great day to be a Targo. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow, but until then, peace. <laughs>